Hello, Crossroads family and guests. We are so glad that you tuned into our podcast today. We want to let you know about our website, wherelifechanges.com. There you can find more about church events, ministries, and giving options. Check out Pastor Lee's blog at pastorlee.net. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at crcc underscore social. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash wherelifechanges. We really hope that the message today would inspire and encourage you to worship passionately, serve others, and share truth. Now let's jump into the message. Praise the Lord. You guys can be seated as we get into the Word today. Um, tomorrow is, is uh, Martin Luther King Day. And so all week I've been preparing um, in, in relation to that, wanting to, to speak on racism, sexism, classism, all the isms, right? There's about a million isms nowadays. Um, and, and as I was preparing, I was thinking about Dr. King himself and what it was like for him. And, and as I began to think about him and his journey and, and what I know of it from history, I kind of got focused on that and the Spirit was leading me back to that. And, and so I'm, I'm not sure why. And I'm trusting that God did that because of who is here today. But, you know, Dr. King did not make a decision to be a national hero. He didn't make a decision to put himself out there in the way that he eventually became. The, the issues that were going on happened around him. And he responded as God would want him to respond. And as he did and responded the way God would want him to, then one step after another, his name became bigger, his influence increased, until finally he was leading a movement changing not only our country but the world. And, and I began to think about that because God's plan for him, he would never have known that. If you'd asked him a year ahead of time, do you, do you think you're going to lead a national movement, a worldwide movement? He, he probably would have said no. He's a pastor of a church much like this, standing in the pulpit like a million other preachers all over the world, not knowing what God was going to do through him. And, and as I was pondering that, I, I remember the, the covenant where God said to Abraham, I will make your name great. I will make your name great. And, and, and that covenant is not just for Dr. King, but it is for all of us wherever we're at that, that we are to do something for God that is going to make everything better. Amen? I, I want to start by reading, out, uh, reading to you out of Revelation chapter 1, verse 4. Revelation 1, starting in, in verse 4. And, and I'm going to read a little bit and just focus on one little part. It says, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ, who is a faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and father. Now, 
There are some translations that say he has made us into kings and priests. Some say a kingdom and a priesthood. But there is continually this idea of kings and priests. Now, kings are earthly rulers. They have dominion over earthly things, things that that are not necessarily spiritual, things that are not necessarily eternal. But a priest is the ambassador of God. It is what every minister is. And and a priest has dominion over the spiritual realm, over the, the matters of heaven, the matters of eternity. And, and so here we have the, the end in Revelation where it is saying Christ has made us. So as we develop into the church that God has called us to be, each one of us then is both a king and a priest. Meaning that God wants you to prosper and to have influence in both the earthly realm and the spiritual realm. Not one or the other. It, you know, there are some people who are so spiritual, they're of no earthly good. You've heard of that. And there are some people just the opposite. But what God is saying is, I have called you to have great influence in both realms. And I want to suggest to you that you can't have one without the other and still be in Christ. Because in Christ, we are a kingdom of priests. And so if I'm in Christ, I can't say, well, all I care about are the spiritual things. And in Christ, I can't say, well, all I care about is the earthly thing. All I want is earthly prosperity and earthly success. If I'm in Christ, then God is working through me in both realms, and I have to understand my responsibility in both realms. In the Old Testament, there was, there was King Solomon. Everybody say Solomon. Solomon was rich, rich, right? And in the Old Testament, the way that kings would decide who was greater is one king would go and visit another, one royal person would go and visit another, and they would bring gifts. And, and then the other king that they went to visit would return gifts. And whoever could give the most was considered to be the greatest king. And so now you have the king of kings, and he has given everything, and whatever we give to him, he'll always outgive us to prove he is superior to us. Amen? But you have been called into a kingdom of priests, and then you have been sent into an earthly kingdom. So God's plan for you is that you would come, and whatever you have received from the earthly realm, and not everything is bad, but whatever good has happened to you in the earthly realm, God's plan for your life is that you would give back to this world in a way that is better than what you have received. So that every Christian is making the world better by their influence and what God is doing through them in both the earthly realm and the spiritual realm. Amen? God wants to make your name great. I don't mean famous. I don't mean viral. I'm not sure why we use that term viral. It doesn't seem good in the COVID age, you know. What I mean is that you would have influence that matters. That matters. We can pray all day in the spiritual realm, but at some point you got to stop praying and go out and feed the homeless, right? You can feed the homeless all day, but if you don't pray, then you're not going to give God glory when you're doing it. And so what's the point? See, God, God has wanted us to work on both realms. And so when we do both, then God uses us to have greater influence. And God wants every single person. He's got a plan for you to make your name great. 
So that when you're longing, the Bible says, blessed are those who die in the Lord for they now rest and their deeds follow them. In other words, God is saying, I want to use you in such a way that even when you're gone, the influence has been generational and your deeds keep following you up into heaven. Amen? And I have to accept that responsibility. This is God's plan for my life, both the earthly and the spiritual. And so I want to talk to you today about God's plan for your life. How do you move into it? How do you get in there? And I want to use Samuel as our jumping point. And if you'll turn to 1 Samuel, today is a long message, but you got tomorrow off. So <laughs> I'm not worried about it. I'm not even worried. Y'all heard about Paul preaching until late and somebody fell out the window. Well, there's no window to fall out. You can just fall out right here. You'll be all right. You'll be safe. Nobody die. I don't have to raise anybody from the dead. So that's good. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. Now, let me give you a little bit of context. Samuel, everybody say Samuel. Samuel is the prophet of Israel. Remember, God's plan for Israel was to be a theocracy. It was to be a nation run by the religious leader, by the prophet. And, and Israel rebelled against God. They didn't like that. And so at some point they asked for a king that really disturbed Samuel. But God said, let him have a king. And so he, God tells Samuel, go and anoint Saul. Everybody say Saul. So he goes and anoints Saul. And Saul does well for a while. But there comes a moment when Saul is rebellious against God, doesn't wait on God as he should. And so God removes his anointing, removes his blessing. So I want you to put your, your, yourself in the place of Samuel today, who is the prophet who loves his country, loves his nation, loves his people, wants to see them prosper, but knows if they don't prosper in both the spiritual and the earthly, then it ain't going to work. And so now here he is as the spiritual leader, and now there's an earthly leader that could care less about the spiritual. He's no longer trying to obey God. He's doing things on his own. He's doing it his own way. And so Samuel is distressed. And he's worried about how, what's going to happen to the nation because we're not following God. Our leader's not following God. I'm trying to help him, but he's not doing it. And, and there comes a moment where God tells Samuel, tell Saul this, you are no longer going to be king. Your kingdom will not endure, but I've chosen somebody else. So in this moment, here's Samuel, and he knows everything's gone to pot, but he can't do anything about it. Have you ever looked at your life and thought, it should be better than this? And you kind of look and everything that has happened and all the issues and, and you think, you know, this, this really isn't God's plan for me. I, I know that I'm going to face trials and tribulations, but it seems like I'm not where God wants me. It seems like things are not happening. I just have a sense within me that God wanted more than this for me. And, and that struggle and that, that malaise that we fall into, the, the, the depression and wondering, God, why, why don't you do this? And why is it that? And why? And then we start looking backward. I made this mistake and that mistake and, and I could have done this better. And we start looking at all that. We blame ourselves. We blame others. We get mad. We get depressed. We, and all of it is because we sense that God wanted more for us. But it's not there. And that's where Samuel is. Let's read it together. 1 Samuel 16, verse 1. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul? Everybody say, How long? 
How long will you mourn? The word mourn means to be well, to, to complain, to be upset. So here you have the prophet of God and, and everything that's happened with Saul and he's mad He's upset. All he can think about is everything that is bad. And because of that, God is saying, how long are you going to do that? Because I've got something else already planned out, but you can't get there as long as you're upset over what not is not happening. Some, sometimes we can't move into God's plan for our life because we're so upset that it's not already there. We're upset because this didn't happen or that didn't happen, and, and we're upset. It says, how long will you mourn Saul? In other words, there, there is something that he's mourning Saul, the person of Saul, and God says, why do you mourn him when I have rejected him? Sometimes we attach the plans of God to a person, and we begin to live life as if I can't get into God's plan for me unless this person comes along. And so then we have a friend, we have a spouse, we have somebody that, that is not ready to go. They're not ready to go to church. They don't want to pray. They don't want to have Bible study. They don't want to grow. They don't want to do any of that stuff. And, and for whatever reason, we get all attached. Well, I can't move forward until they, until they go to church with me, until they read. And, and we get stuck there. And God is trying to say, you've got to get your eyes off of people and get your eyes back on me. Amen? And we let people trip us up. How long will you mourn for Saul since I rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. In other words, get your eyes on Jesus and get up and do something. Amen? Who are you blaming? Who are you complaining about because your life isn't that or isn't this? Who are you holding on to thinking, well, if they would just do this, then we could move forward together? There has to come a time when we stop mourning, we stop holding on to people and say, God, whatever you got for me, I'm going. Amen? Let's keep reading. Be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go if Saul hears about it? He will kill me. Everybody say, he'll kill me. Now, this makes sense because Saul's still king. So Samuel's saying, if I go do that, you know how gossipers are. They're going to email him and let him know right away. And then next thing I know is I'm dead. Now, this isn't just somebody. This is the prophet telling God, you ain't got it worked out. I can't go do what you're telling me to do because you don't have a plan. I can't see it. Sometimes I can't move into God's plan for my life because I've already looked ahead and, say, and, and thought to myself, here's what I need to do. But if I do this, here's the consequences. Here's what's bad's going to happen. Here's who's going to get mad. Here's what I'm going to lose. I got to lose my job. I'm not going to be able to pay my bills. They're going to walk out. They're going to leave. And we have all this stuff. And we forget that God's got it all figured out already. He's already thought about it. He is yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. You hadn't got to tomorrow. He's outside of time. He's seen all of your tomorrows already. And he's got it planned out. Sometimes we just get stuck in that. Y'all with me? And here's what he tells him to do. So he says, if, if I go do that, they're going to kill me. Here's what the Lord says. Take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. So he says, go and worship. Now, do you know what a prophet's job was to do? Worship. 
So so God says, we got to move into the next place. We got to get past this little place that we're stuck in. And so I want you to go worship. I want you to go do what you should have already been doing. So instead of complaining, instead of griping, instead of bewailing, go worship. Go worship. See, a lot of times when, when we're stuck and we're in this dilemma and, and there's issues all around us and we're trying to find solutions and we're trying to find answers and we're trying to say, well, what do I need to do? And we're trying to find something that God hasn't given us yet. And, and so we, we, we don't move because we have paralysis of analysis trying to figure everything out. So we just sit here, not wanting to make a mistake, not wanting to make anybody mad, not wanting to miss anything. Up. And we just sit there and God is saying, quit trying to figure it out just worship me just do what you already know you should be doing amen you see that is the beauty of living the christian life jesus says come to me all you who are what weary and i will give you what rest amen rest how many of y'all when you're sleeping you worry you can't worry when you're asleep Maybe your subconscious trying to, but I mean, when I'm out, I'm, I mean, I'm gone, right? I don't even care how I sound. The beauty of living the Christian life is that he has taken responsibility for me. I'm like a baby, and he's my daddy. A baby doesn't worry about nothing. A baby just rests. You hear what I'm saying? When, when, when we started thinking about all these different campuses, every now and then the enemy would turn again in my ear and say, well, what if, what if it fails? And what if everything goes wrong? And what if, what if all this and you mess up the church already that's here? And what about, what about, what about, what about? And I had to remind me that Jesus said he would build the church. There ain't no pressure on me. All I got to do is do what I know I should do. Worship him. Seek him, submit to him, pray to him, give him my heart, and he takes care of all the rest. Seek first the kingdom of God, and he will add all these things unto you. Amen? Do you see how we get over-anxious and stressed trying to figure out, I got to do this, 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 and this, and then we think, well, I can't do all this, 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 and then what are they going to think? And God's just saying, just put your trust in me. Quit worrying about it and just get right with me. Worship and I will show you. Let's keep reading there. This is the verse four or verse three. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. Do you understand that's what God does? See, a lot of times we live as if God is, is, is here saying, go that way, right? Which wouldn't be bad. I wouldn't mind him hearing him every now and say, go that way, right? I was thinking about it in New Testament. I go to the street, name this, and I thought, Lord, just tell me where I'm at. I'm, I remember when I moved to San Antonio, I was lost all the time. Said, Lord, just tell me where I'm at. I don't know. <clears throat> but here we have uh, the Lord saying, I will show you what to do. Uh, he doesn't point the way. He walks with you along the way and shows you as you go. That's why you got to be connected to him. So, so Saul's trying to figure out how do I fix, uh, Samuel's trying to figure out how do I fix it all. And, and, and God is saying, I know how to fix it, but I can't show you until we start walking. So walk with me. And as we get there, I will show you. So it, it, it's like walking on a path. And as we're going on a path, I got a lamp. Thy word is a lamp unto my 
feet just a little bit right here. And as I'm walking, God will say, watch out, there's a rattlesnake. Right? I was in the church in the vine the other day, and, and I looked down, big old scorpion. I mean, it was only like that, but I don't like scorpions, so it seemed like that, you know. And so God is saying, walk with me, and I will show you. Quit worrying. Quit stressing. Verse 4, Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? In other words, he showed up, and they're like, why are you here? Why is the big dog here? Why is the big dog in town? When, when you start doing what you know you already should be doing, it's going to make somebody nervous. Somebody's going to say, wait, why aren't you drinking that anymore? How come, how come you don't want to go party anymore? How come you seem so happy? You know, it's weird when you become a Christian, you start getting the peace of the Lord and the happy, and people are like, what's going on? I'm just happy. That's weird. It feels good. And, and, and it can make people, uh, you know, you, you become nice. They're like, what, what happened to you? What is strange? And, and they start questioning your motive. Why are you doing that? You're trying to get something out of me. You got some kind of thing. What, what is happening? And we can make all kinds of people nervous. But if we let that bother us, we just get stuck. So we just got to keep on moving. There's going to be some people in your life that you know that, that in order for you to press forward, you got to leave them behind. Not that you want to leave them behind. I'm not saying kick them out of your life, but you can't have the same kind of relationship, the same kind of conversations, going to the same place and doing the same stuff and keep following Jesus. Sometimes you got to leave them behind. Amen. Let's keep reading now. Verse 5, Samuel said, yes, in peace, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Amen? Now, how can I know what's in your heart? I can't. But the Spirit knows what's in your heart, and the Spirit can help me see. That's why the Bible says, out of the overflow of the mouth then I can see the heart. The more you talk, the more I understand who you are. I, I was telling the first service, I remember going uh, golfing with uh, Jamie, and we went out golfing. And sometimes when you go with two, if you're a golfer, you understand that if you go with two, they want you to play with two other people. They want four. And so we're playing with two strangers. We're out there golfing. Everything's going fine. You know, Jamie and I are losing a lot of balls, and it's not going well that way. But we're having fun, right? We're having fun. And, and the other two guys, I mean, they're telling every dirty joke in the world. They're talking bad about people. They, they're talking bad about their boss. They're denigrating women. I mean, it's, it's, it's horrible, and we're just kind of staying out of the way. Why did you come across the ninth hole? And that's kind of where people take a little break, and so we're going into the tenth hole. And so inevitably they say, well, what do you do? I said, well, I'm a pastor. And I'll never forget the guy looked at me and said, well, praise the Lord. <laughs> praise the Lord. And he starts telling me how spiritual he is and how many churches he goes to and how much money he gives. And, and from that point on, it was like, well, praise God. You know, they make a good shot. Praise the Lord. Have a bad shot. Praise God for that too. Everything. <laughs> pe people can 
be however they think you want them to be to get what they want in the moment. You've got to spend time with people and you've got to listen to the spirit. I think about Dr. King, how many death threats he got, all the pressure on him. How did he know, can I trust this person? Do I not need to trust it? And I believe the spirit was teaching him as he was going, when we get right with God, God will begin to reveal to us, this is somebody you need to let in close. This is somebody you need to be nervous about. This is somebody you got to love from a distance. This is somebody you can love and pour your heart out to. And he is teaching us that so that people don't trip us up. Amen. But we got to do what we know we should have been doing already. Amen. All right. We're through the introduction. Praise the Lord. I don't know why y'all laugh at that. So here we go. Verse 8. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? I want you to think about this for a minute. God tells Samuel, I'm going to anoint a new king. Samuel's like, yes, just don't let him kill me. Right? It's going to be one of Jesse's sons. So when you get there, tell Jesse, get all your sons together, and let's go worship. So he gets there, there's Jesse. Jesse, get your son, let's go. We're going to go worship together. We're going to go to church. So Jesse, all right, boys, let's go. They all hop in the pickup. They run down to church, and here you're worshiping, and God says, now anoint one of them. All right, let's take a look. One, two, three. Not one of them. And, and I got to wonder, was Samuel confused? And, and how long did it take him to finally say, do, do you have another one? Is there another one somewhere? You know, is your wife expecting? I mean, what's going on here? What, where are we at? Now, Sam was with the right people in the right place, doing the right thing. And it's about to go all wrong. And if he doesn't listen to the Spirit and pause, then all is lost. He's going to anoint the wrong one. When we first get in the plans of God and begin to walk the pathway that he has for us, there are people who do not even want to get on the path. And like Saul, we've got to say, I've got to leave you behind because I'm following Jesus. But as you stay on the path, there are going to be people in your life, in the church, the right people, in the right place, doing the right stuff. But even they will falter. And so in the same way that sometimes we'll attach God's plan to a person, then we get in the church, then we start walking with God, we start trying to live a Christian life, and then we meet a Christian man. We start dating a Christian man. Oh, he is the greatest in everything. Or we, we, we marry a woman in the church. Well, everything's going to be great now because we're both Christians. Everything's good. Or, or we get a, a, a great Sunday school teacher and we think, wow, she's incredible. I mean, she really unleashes the power of the word. Or, or you get this great bluebell loving, bald headed man and, and you think, he's great. But people are people. And even in the church, there's sometimes you got to say, I got to keep going, even if I leave you behind, because you're still not ready. 
I've come as far as I can with you. I love you. I'm not kicking you out of my life, but I got to go forward where you stopped. The whole thing, moving into the plans of God, do what you know you should be doing already. Get right with God, get in the Spirit, listen to Him, trust Him, and get your eyes off of people. Get your eyes off of people. How many people told Dr. King, you need to stop, you're going to die? They're going to take you out. And how often did he pray? Lord, what about my family? What would it do to them? What about the country? Would it it be better if I just stopped here? And I believe every day he got up listening to the Holy Spirit saying, I just got to do what God tells me to do. Amen? If you want to move into the plans that God has for you, don't let people stop you and seek after God. 1 Samuel 13, 14, it says that God sought after somebody who was seeking after him with all their heart. If you seek after God with all your heart and don't let people, no matter how great they are, no matter how wonderful they are, no matter how much you love them, don't let people trip you up, then you will see God move in your life and little by little, step by step, season by season, he'll make your name great. And you'll see your children your grandchildren, people all around you come to know him in a magnificent way. Amen. Stand up and let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for your goodness. We're so grateful. And Lord, we confess to you that we crave the love of people. And way too often, we crave the love of people more than your love. We crave the approval of people. And too often, people can hinder us and slow us down. Lord, today, teach us how to love people, but keep following you. Teach us how not to leave anybody behind and yet not be falling back because of them. And Lord, let us trust that that when we're worried, when we're anxious, when it seems like there is no answer, that you've got it all figured out. And Lord, let us release the pressure of making our life what only you can make it. Let us Weary souls, come to you and receive your rest. And let us remember, God, that you are so good. And so, Lord, today, wherever people are, whatever situations, whatever caused you to turn my attention this direction, remind them that you're still good. You're still on the throne. And you're just calling us to worship you. And as we worship you, you will show us the way. So, Lord, we praise you. We give you all the glory. 
We thank you that you are a good God that has a plan for us. And we celebrate you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Everybody said together, amen, amen. Praise the Lord, amen, amen. Hey, I just wanted to say thank you for your time and listening today. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and share us with your friends. Also, remember to follow us on social media. If you ever find yourself in the area, we would love to see you on a Sunday morning at 1040 a.m. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.